Hello, everyone, and welcome to C-View Quantum Network. I'm your presenter, Daniel, and I'm here with producer Claudia Pareco. Our opening song features Reach for the Stars from Cyclone's new album, Showtime, available on all music stores and platforms. A moment of your time is one of the most extraordinary gifts we could ever be given. We are honored every time we've received a moment of your time. We are servants of the new age, the time of prophecy, the time of the ascending sixth sun. We are a platform for alchemists and multidimensional souls. We connect with many planes of reality and assist the awakening journey. We are pure light, transmitters of high vibrational light out into reality. Our shows are held on Fridays at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time. At any moment to participate on our shows, please call 805-830-8344 and press 1 to talk with the host. Call for free at 805-830-8344 and wait in line or you can use Take My Call. And for $11, you can jump the long list of callers. Do so at www.paypal.me slash P-U-R-E-C-O slash 11. And then please PM or email Claudia Pareco at cview1111 at gmail.com and include the phone number you'll be using to call the show. All of our podcasts are easily found in all social media and are available free, live, or on demand. To request a show, please write to Claudia Pareco at cview1111 at gmail.com or visit our website, cview1111.net. Now, let's listen to our host and topic of the day. Danny, welcome everybody to see you today. Podcast is the messages from Metatron Study Group with author Devin Nina Bingham. We meet the third Friday of every month at noon Eastern Time here on CBU. And we are always hoping to have you each month tell your friends and be part of this study group conversation. Before I introduce our host, Nina, I'd like to share some statistics about angels. Belief in angels is an ancient idea stretching back before the time of Christ and includes all faiths. 77% of adults in America believe in angels and 55% of Americans said they believe their guardian angels have protected them. And this includes people who don't consider themselves religious. Now, let's introduce the author of Messages from Metatron, Debbie Nina Vinca. But we call her Nina. She's an author, a life coach, a clinical hypnotherapist, and a sound therapist. Welcome, Nina, to the show. I am so happy to have you here. And while 
I will listen to you, Nina. I'm going to take some names so we can have the conversation with other callers. Thank you. Thank you, Claudia. Uh, because we have new listeners today, I want to explain what this study group is about. <clears throat> Messages from Metatron is not only a book that I wrote, but it's also a curriculum of channeled messages from the Archangel Metatron, which are spiritual but non-denominational. And included in the book is a study guide for group study, and that's what we're going to be discussing in this podcast. Today we're studying Lesson 5, entitled Love and Forgiveness. And we're going to be taking callers' questions and comments um, even if you haven't read the book, you can still participate in our study group. Um, it'll be easier for you if you have read the book. Um, the ebook sells for $15 on Amazon, but for a limited time, I'm offering the ebook for free, absolutely free, to Seaview listeners only. So to request your free copy, go to Seaview's Facebook page, or you can go to the Seaview website, which is www.seaview1111.net, or you can go to my show page. Uh, on the CV website, and there's a form to request your free book. I'd love to give everybody a free ebook. So let's dive right into the topic uh, for today of love and forgiveness. It's a huge topic. Um, we're just obviously we're just going to touch a little bit on each theme and uh, <clears throat> cover a lot of ground today. Um, so I'm just going to jump right in, and Claudia, you can let me know when 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 you I'm have here. something to say or something to contribute. Uh, and also today, we're going to be learning the ten things forgiveness is not, which I really liked and wanted to share with you. So Metatron begins this important message on love and forgiveness by defining love for us which I think is important because when you say the word love, many things can come to mind. There are many, because there's many different kinds of love, isn't there? Um, <clears throat> which may not include romance, okay? So there's parental love from a parent to a child. There's romantic love, of course. There's a companionate or sort of devoted kind of love, uh, which may not include romance. There's sexual love. There's a spiritual love, what's called agape, which is what Christ had for us. And then there's a brotherly love for family members. And then, of course, there's a love for our pets, which is a protective kind of love. So there's many different types of love. And I bet if I was to ask our callers to define love for us, you'd get a lot of different definitions. Because love isn't a one-size-fits-all situation. So if love is so varied, there's so many types of love, how do we agree on a definition? To define love, the Archangel Metatron tells us what love isn't, which is kind of smart of him because there's so many things, different kinds of love. Now, the Hindus have a saying for this when defining God. Because God can't be described. God's beyond description. So instead of trying to describe God, the Hindus say, neti neti, which means 
not this, not this. Okay, they're telling what God is not. And you probably heard it said that God is love. And maybe that might be the most universal description of God that we can come to. So in defining love, Metatron says what it isn't. And here's what he says. He said, quote, you do not need to learn what love is because love is you. Love is you and envelops you. It's all around you. You're swimming in a sea of love. Love is not elusive or hiding. You don't have to seek it. You know how the personal ads say, you know, seeking, seeking a good woman, seeking a good man. He says, you don't have to seek it. Love is not a thing that you find. You can't hunt for love. Love is not a commodity that you can store up like money or food, yet it's the most valuable asset you'll ever have. You cannot have more love on some days and less on other days. Love is a state of mind. Love is an attitude. So we could use the rest of this podcast to dissect just that passage. of what love is. But I'd like to focus in on the last sentence where Metatron says what love is. Quote, love is a state of mind. Love is an attitude. Now, I'd like to ask you a question. Where does a state of mind or an attitude come from? Uh, Maybe I'll ask Claudia this. Claudia, can you give someone an attitude or a state of mind? Can you say, can I say to you, Claudia, If you're having a bad day, let's say, and I I want to cheer you up, can I give you my happy attitude like you'd hand somebody a book? Can my state of mind be given to someone else? No, absolutely not. I wish you could. (laughs) Yes, right. So I, I I, I can't make Claudia, I can make her smile and laugh. But Claudia alone is the only one who can change her frame of mind, isn't it, her attitude. So I can't lend her my attitude because I manufacture it. I choose my attitude, don't I? So Metatron is teaching us something important in this paragraph about what love isn't and is. He's saying feeling loved or feeling loving is an attitude that you alone have control of. Just that insight is very profound because if you're like me, there have been times when you didn't feel loved by others and you blame them. And I I recall times that I felt excluded, uh, maybe I wasn't told something and I felt rejected or abandoned, Uh, maybe someone took their frustration out on me and I felt not appreciated, not seen, or even abused. But however I felt, the attitude that I formed about that person was 100% mine to deal with. And the feelings of abandonment, rejection, not being good enough, all the hurts and offenses that I experienced were exactly that. They were my own phenomenal, I don't know how to say that word, phenomenological experience, okay, a personalized experience. So by an attitude, it means it's mine alone. And, and here's how you know that we have to own our own attitudes. Because somebody else could have had the exact same experience, 
but responded completely differently. I mean, have you ever been in a group of people and watched the variety of reactions that you get from a crowd? Think about, you know, going to hear a comedian, let's say, and some people are going to laugh at a joke and the person seated next to them doesn't think it's funny. Well, another person might even be offended at the joke. So it's because each of us interprets life differently, don't we? So when Metatron points out that love is a state of mind, love is an attitude that we choose or don't choose, he's putting the responsibility for feeling loving or feeling loved squarely on our shoulders. And that's profound. That's profound. So another question we're looking at today is the topic of forgiveness. And when you say forgiveness, we all know that we're supposed to forgive because it's healthier to forgive than to carry around unforgiveness. But I found as a life coach of 18 years talking to couples and people about their traumas and their hurts that forgiving is a process. It's a process that when we're hurt, we need time to work through our emotions before we can really forgive, and sometimes a lot of time. So uh, before the show, Claudia and I were discussing this, and she shared with me a a statement that she'd seen, and I I, I liked it very much. Claudia, I'm wondering if you can share that with with the listeners. Yes, so this is a statement that was given, oh my God, where did I let it here? It was given by Jeff Foster in the topic of forgiveness. And it is very, what I love about his process is that when he was dealing with a lot of, um, with a very bad illness, and in that process, he's very spiritual. He was posted a lot of questions that he needed to forgive the illness. He needed to get over it. Oh, and now I cannot find it. Where did I put it? And I love because he says, sometimes you are not ready to forgive. Sometimes you are just in the process of being angry, of being upset, of being ridiculously against the idea of forgiveness. And that is okay because it is a process that um, you have to own. You have to let yourself be in anger and be in, in hurt feeling until you are able to transmute that into loving. Yes, I really uh, like that uh, thought, that it's a process. Um, uh, so what does the, the Archangel Metatron say about it in the book? Let's look at that for a minute. He says, quote, at the heart of all suffering is the inability to let go. Think about the times you've really suffered in life, and you'll see that they all share a common thread, the inability to set something free. When you can simultaneously love and release, you are in a perfect state of love. And then he goes on to say, 
quote, it is a paradox, but when you set something free, you are set free. Also profound. So let's rewind and look at this play-by-play because, again, he's saying something profound here. When you set something free, you are set free. So he's framing forgiveness as the ability to let go, to let it go. Do you know that, that Disney song from that movie, Let It Go, Let It Go? I love that song. Because we can all relate to hanging on to our hurts, to hanging on to the problems in life. And he says if we don't let it go, that we're causing our own suffering. And I heard the Dalai Lama say this one time, quote, he said, to carry a grudge is like being stung to death by the same bee. And that really impressed me because we relive offenses in our heads, don't we? The bee stings us once, and then we suffer that original pain over and over again in our minds. So how do we get out of the trap of wanting revenge? Because the trap, there's a trap of wanting a payback, of wishing and hoping that karma will do our dirty work for us. (laughs) I saw a meme on Facebook that said this, if karma made a sound, it would be ha, 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 ha. So... Right? When the the karma finally hits somebody, you just have to laugh. Right? So let's take a look at Metatron's solution to the problem of forgiveness. And I say problem because it is. It is a problem for many of us. Gandhi said this, quote, only the strong can forgive. Have you heard that? Because it takes a great amount of character and restraint to refrain from striking back. So please understand I'm not suggesting that you be a doormat and allow people to disrespect you. That's not forgiveness. That's low self-esteem. Okay, so I'm going to stop here and um, ask Claudia for some feedback, or do we have any callers that would like to share? Yes, we have some callers, so I'm going to call, I'm going to just uh, say the first three numbers of their phone, and you can introduce yourself with your first name, and where are you calling us from, and then just share. So the first caller I'm calling is 956, welcome to see you, can I have your first name, and and where are you calling us from? Tony, and I'm calling from Texas. Hi, Tony. I was reading everything. I know you called my name uh, earlier, but I had to unmute. <laughs> Sorry about no that. Problem. No problem. So what, what, what do you think about the, all of this? Well, I mean, I've been in situations sometimes, sometimes uh, I know you're talking about love, that sometimes it confused um, love with, uh, I, I've been in um, relationships to where I think it's love and it's not love. It's more like codependent. Does that make sense? Um, that we that we tend to get confused. Some love, like the need of not wanting to be alone, and things. You know, I mean, I mean, sometimes you're in a relationship just to stay in the relationship, thinking that it's love. Especially when you're with somebody that 
doesn't respect you and doesn't treat you right and but you and then after a while they apologize and make it sound like if it's okay and it's not okay because that's not love and you with someone it should always be uh, you should always be respected and be treated with respect and if you're not treated with respect I mean it's, it's not love it's just convenience I would say I, I you know Mm-hmm. Can't ex- I, mean, I don't know how else to explain it. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Tony. This is Nina. Thank you for um, sharing that with us. Uh, you know, you mentioned one word that really stood out to me, and you said uh, codependent. And mm-hmm. uh, that word stood out to me because I'm a codependent. I, I fight those tendencies. And, and what a codependent mm-hmm. is, let me define that for you, is they simply take care of others, their, their impulse. It's like, a, it's like a natural impulse is to take care of other people before they take care of themselves. Okay, mm-hmm. that's, that's a codependent. And so yeah, when that, you have... That would be, I was to be taking care of that person instead of my needs that I felt like I was taking advantage of. Um, I mean, and it's like I was always giving, 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 and not receiving. Right, right. Right, taken advantage of. And you know what's interesting about being a codependent is that we feel like we're we're giving out and we don't receive what we give. I hear that a lot from people, or at least in the counseling room, is, you know, I, I've given so much and I'm not getting what I gave back. Um, and when I hear that, that kind of clues me in to that they might be struggling with some codependency. Um, because the truth of the matter is, is that how much we give is up to us, isn't it? So the limit mm-hmm. put on our giving is always up to us. And and yet we like to say, well, I had to. I had to give this to this person or I had to take care of this person because otherwise this would happen. But in the end, as a codependent, we really have to work on um, taking responsibility for our own stuff, which means um, allowing, allowing other people to take our time, to take our money, to take our attention off of ourselves and off of our priorities. Okay, so so I just want to I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Yes, yes, I hear that that you're struggling with some feeling taken advantage of and that you give more than you receive. But at the same time, as a as a codependent, you know, I, I'm challenging everybody that feels that way to really look at yourself and say, okay, yes, I'm I, this is happening to me, but in the end, I set the limits on how much I give. And so mm-hmm. so let's back up and let's say how much do I want to give in this situation and really look at that. You know, Nina and, and Tony, I'm I'm listening to you both, but I'm also going back to what um, Metatron says. And I think the let's go to the origin of the love. If love is everything and we are in that ocean of love and there's no love that we need because we are that love, then probably when we get into those relationships of codependency or where we are not getting enough is because, and I put myself in that um, pool also, is we don't really believe or we don't know how to feel that we are loved, that we are that. We are always looking for something else to fill fill us up. So 
why is it that as human beings, we have this tendency of feeling ourselves empty when we are not, but that's how we feel. That, like, I don't care what, no, it's not that I don't care what Metatron says. I know what he says, but why is it that we come to this life and then all of a sudden we'll feel like there's not enough and we need more. Why were we created like this? And how can we just get out of there? All right. I love that question. I love that question, Claudia. That's such an honest question. And I think we've all been there, right? Um, feeling like we give, 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 and then we give out. And then we have nothing left to give, and there's a big hole inside of us. So I wonder, Tony, what, what you think about that. I, I, I agree. I mean, I mean, there's many reasons why we do or react the way we do. I mean, I think it has a lot to do with our up, upbringings or situations that we that we might have been involved or, or, or how can I explain it? I shouldn't say upbringings. I guess, or maybe it, it could be like I, my heritage. It's I'm Hispanic, so. With that said, um, everybody has different beliefs, and uh, as far as how to uh, how to think, love is us in, in Latin or Hispanic tend to believe that we are have to be married to that same person. That that's the person you were meant to be. You said I do, and no matter how he treats you, you have to you have to stand by him. But in reality, I mean, now with uh, times have changed. And I know my parents, I know they were not in a good relationship, but they were married for 40 years. And, uh, I mean, it was in a, a healthy relationship. So that in our heritage, we, we tend to believe that that is what we have to put up with because that is the man that we married. But now we came to America and now it's like, no, you don't have to put up with that. You don't have to be treated that way. I mean, there's I mean, there's a way to love a person, and then there's a way not to love a person. When you love someone, like I said, you have to respect them. You have to honor their opinions and talk about situations. So I, I believe that that also has a lot to do with it, our upbringings, or our backgrounds as well. Claudia, I wonder what you're thinking about what Tony just said because you also you know you share a. Hispanic, yeah, yeah, I'm not uh, Hispanic. I know, and and yeah, she's right. Like it was brought in part of a heritage. In that matter, it was like uh, you always needed to have someone beside you, and that someone would be forever. But I, you know, I like that today because we have a different consciousness that we had before. We can question that. Like, I see most Latina women, younger Latina women growing up, they are questioning this, and they are not falling into the trap. And just like you said, Tony, you are, we are all looking into respectful relationships, and, and probably we are also looking, as all women here in America and in the world, we're looking to to find that love within ourselves, correct? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, if you're Hispanic, that you would know that. Um, you'll know that the upbringings had a lot to, to do with it. But now um, gen- generations have changed, and uh, things are not how they used to be, that now women are more um, 
free, more their mind, and men men don't like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> men want to be the ones in control, and you know. And, and now I, that's that's me. Before I used to allow that till I put my foot down. I say no, like no. I mean, I don't I don't need to be with a man. I work. I provide for my family. So I mean, why do I need you for? I mean, I don't need to be belittled. I don't need to be yelled at. Mm-hmm. I, I've I've done it before on my own. So why? I mean, I don't need you in my life. If I want someone, if somebody's going to be my my partner, my co-partner, and be with me, you know, for with a positive impact, not a negative impact. Mm-hmm. And you know, when those when those um, hurts in relationships occur, I want to I want to turn this now to forgiveness for a minute, ladies. It's difficult to forgive because it's impossible to forget what was said and done, and we shouldn't try to forget. Because then we're just burying it, aren't we? And when you bury hurt, it seems to come out later when you least expect it and sort of sideways. Um, but Metatron's answer to our inability to forgive is one that I'd never considered before. Um, he suggests that we use what he called the Christ consciousness within us to forgive for us. And I've heard this used before, you know, kind of thrown around the Christ consciousness. And I never understood what it meant until I read this book and I really started to think about it. And I think what it means is the consciousness or or attitude of Christ is alive in our very soul. And he's saying that the soul within us can forgive for us when we can't. And I'd never thought about that before. And he offers a simple prayer that we can use to call forward the soul within us. And I'll just read it. He says, he says, pray this way. I call on the Christ consciousness within me to forgive. I can't find the strength to forgive because my mind remembers, but my soul wants to release the hurt. I release, and then name the person, by the Christ consciousness within me, and I release myself from unforgiveness, set me free. So I thought this was a very interesting idea to think about forgiving someone that you're having trouble forgiving. And then he said, then you visualize handing your hurt over to God and releasing it to God, because in our humanness, we may never have the ability to forgive, but through divine grace, we can call on that power of the soul to forgive that comes forward so that we can let it go. So uh, what did you think about that when you when you read that in the book, Claudia? You know, uh, when I read that in the book, uh, first of all, I love the idea of the Christ within, because I do see that I had to go in with me, not something external, but I. I have the power, even if my mind or my ego doesn't. And I, I and again, I love when it, this idea of don't try to forgive, because forgiveness is not a doing. And we simply accept that this moment, not forgiving is exactly the way it is right now. And the past was the way it was. 
need acceptance also your not acceptance in the presence. Forgive my inability to forgive. And then you feel your breath. That's when you do the, that prayer, whatever sensation you have in your body. And then it burns brightly in you. And, and then it's done. And then you just accept that it's done at whatever time it is going to happen. And I love that. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, I'm wondering if um, if she wouldn't mind, um, Tony, if you could, would you mind sharing a little bit of, of your understanding of forgiveness or what you've experienced about forgiveness? Is she still with us? Yes, Tony, are you there? Okay, she may have stepped away. Um, I think right at I'm this sorry, point, I'm, I'm here. Oh, she's here. Okay. okay. So did you did you hear the question, Tony? I'm sorry, I was talking to. Okay, no problem. I, can you repeat the question, I, I, Nina? I sure. I did not. So what I wonder, Tony, if if you don't mind, uh, you don't have to if you if you uh, need to go, but. If, if you're going to stay with us, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about uh, your own life and, and what you've learned about forgiveness. Well, um, some, I mean, in order for you to have a, I mean, I, I've learned a lot. I've actually, I felt that I've grown a lot as a, as a person because, I mean, I, like I mentioned, I, my upbringings and my background with my family, seeing all of that, as far as my family argue and things like that, that was something that I told myself I did not want my children to see. I mean, I was married, and unfortunately, I was married for 10 years, and then I divorced, and, um, I mean, it was in a healthy relationship, and I told myself this is not what I, I, I went through when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I don't want my my children to see this, uh, to to believe that it is okay to be treated that way, that it is okay to be spoken, to be belittled and being spoken down to. And uh, I, I mean, I raised, um, right now she's actually a graduating, she's 18 years old, so I finally met a man two years ago. I raised her pretty much by myself because I told myself, I don't, I don't want my daughter to be around something unhealthy. And I could honestly say that my children, from two, two girls, um, they they don't know violence. <laughs> they don't they don't know uh, mm-hmm. negative impact or negativity in their lives. They they they, they don't know what that is because I, mm-hmm. of course, besides me being a parent and being strict with them and <laughs> telling them no, you can't do this because of this, or no, you can't go here because of this, and. Uh, but I mean, they. I have my sister that she stayed in that environment, and I see the difference as far as their her their, her children's uh, turnabout and my children. My children are very calm and peaceful and happy. And when I go visit my sister and I see her kids, they're kind of like angry and not not happy. So mm-hmm. I thought that I did the right thing of uh, 
moving away myself and distancing myself from the, not only from the relationship but just away from people that were bringing in negative negativity that that I didn't want my children to see because I mean my my daughter she's she's 17 and she's going to graduate this year and um and I was told I'm so proud of you because um I put like her I raised her pretty much by myself and uh, I explained to her and I go most single parents by the age of 15 their daughters are either pregnant or or smoking or doing drugs or you know do, doing because I mean that's I mean that tends to happen a lot we we have children that take the right path and then we have children that misdirect themselves you know and with her she's like mom I, I was very surprised that you told me now I know why why you were with us strict with us and now I know because now she she's been accepted to several very good universities she uh She's going to be attending the university. She's got several scholarships, and she's like, I wouldn't have done it without you. I wouldn't have done it. And I go, now I understand why you were just with us and why you did what you did. And I go, well, I, I tried to do the best that I could. Maybe it might have not been good, but at least I know that I raised you good. <laughs> and uh, it, it made me feel good for her to say that because she always felt that was parent. But, I mean, like I explained to her, I, I do the things that I do because I feel that that's the right thing for you. And for your future, and obviously she understood now that she's growing up and she's seeing that reality is it's sinking in. Uh, she will be an adult. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, it sounds like you took some very specific, um, a very specific stand against violence in your home, and because of that. Um, you know, you've earned the respect of your children and also it's allowed them to um, have more of a healthy life. Um, But I'm sure it wasn't easy um, to do that. Uh, But it sounds like you did it for your children. Definitely. I think, I mean, I, I I I wanted I want the best. Now I'm married. I I've been, I've been I just recently got, became married. I met a man. And I'm not saying that our marriage is perfect because I had not been with somebody. But at the same token, I I always told myself I have girls. I need to be careful who I bring into my home. Um, I have to trust this person. And I mean, he is very good to my to my. I have a toddler. I have a six year old. He's very good to her. He accepted her as pretty much that's her dad. We've been together for three years, and he called, she calls him dad, and he he takes care of her, and he he tries to guide her in the right path. And um, I mean, she's gonna have a different upbringing than my eldest, only because I was the mom and the father to her. And uh, with the little one, she has a mom and a dad, but of course, the key both of my girls to him are his daughters, and he's very protective of both of them and he's like where even though you're 18 I'm always going to worry like where are you going where are you at I want to make sure because times are not how they used to be you hear many stories of you know teenagers or friends doing things to friends and he's like if you need that good call me and you know I I, mean, I think I, I so far so good you know I I, I did the right thing for my kids mm-hmm. 
I'm, I'm very happy for you that it's that it's turned out this way and that you found somebody who also is protective of your children. Um, I um, I want to share something that I found on the internet. This is not mine, but when I read it, I absolutely loved it um, because I have I've had a hard time in my own life. Um, defining forgiveness and trying to figure out forgiveness. I've actually given a lot of thought because it's an important aspect to uh, the happiness of our lives, whether we forgive or not forgive and who we should forgive. So I found this on the Internet. It's um, found at www.sunshinegray.com. Sunshine spelled S-U-N-S-H-Y-N-E. G-R-A-Y, sunshinegray.com. And um, she's a Christian counselor, and she defines forgiveness as this, releasing someone from the punishment, from a punishment or death, death, death. And then she goes on to say, whether the offender is sorry or refuses to change, that we can choose to forgive. And so she's listing seven things forgiveness is not, and I would like to share that with you. Um, I'm going to go through these really quick, but I think they're really profound. Okay, number one, forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Um, I think Archangel Metatron would agree with this because he's asking us in, in his book to use our souls to forgive, not our feelings. And if you're waiting for warm, fuzzy feelings toward a person who's hurt you, they might never come. So we don't have to feel like forgiving someone in order to forgive them. Okay, that's number one. Number two, forgiving isn't the same as trust. Think about the word forgive, forgive. For meaning before. So the word means to extend forgiveness before an apology comes and before we see evidence of change. So forgiveness is a gift that we give. And we're energetically releasing them and ourselves from that unhealthy emotional tie uh, made of resentment and anger and even bitterness. So energetically setting both parties free to heal and move on. And this is not the same as trusting again, she's saying. She's, She's saying we should only trust people who have proven themselves trustworthy. Trust is conditional. It's totally conditional. If you trust someone who has proven themselves untrustworthy, then you're putting yourself in a vulnerable position and maybe going to get hurt again. So forgiveness is not the same as trust. Okay. Um, Number three, forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Reconciliation means that you've got two trustworthy people, both willing to make an amends, but both willing and both willing to take responsibility for their part. So some people are never sorry. These relationships cannot be repaired. And in some instances, it could be unsafe to attempt reconciliation. So reconciliation or a healing of that broken relationship is wonderful if, if it can happen but it isn't necessary for forgiveness. So you may never have the same relationship you had with the person, uh, but you may need to, and you may need to come to acceptance about that. 
Okay. Uh, number four, forgiveness is not instantaneous healing. And this is what Claudia was saying earlier. Once we have forgiven, we may not feel healed or even much better. Healing is a process that takes time. So, however, forgiveness is a necessary ingredient in the healing process. Because without detaching from the circumstance that caused the hurt and bitterness and resentment to take root, those negative emotions can delay our healing. Number five, forgiveness isn't forgetting. Our brains are hardwired to remember pain, you guys. So when we're reminded of the painful circumstances, our memories can come flooding back, can't they, like it was yesterday. So the brain stores painful memories in the subconscious to protect us. It files them away. So we don't keep hurting ourselves. So you may always remember what happened. That's a normal psychological response. But you shouldn't forget what happened. Number six, forgiveness doesn't excuse or condone the offense. Um, as a mental health professional, I worked for the state of Oregon for a couple of years with men who were convicted of child sex offense, offenses, child sex offenders. And I did that for about eight years. And it always surprised me when I found out they had done these things because they were generally polite to me and easy to work with guys who had done these horrible, horrible things. And as a counselor, I had to learn to separate their past offenses from the present so that I could work with them in a positive way. So I think that's what this is suggesting, that you don't have to make excuses for somebody's bad choices or behavior, but you do have to be willing to wipe your slate clean of it so you can be free to move ahead in a positive way. Okay, number seven, last one. Forgiveness is not tolerating. Um, and I think really this is what, you know, this is what our caller was speaking about, about not tolerating abuse. If someone's been hurt, be willing to speak out in defense of that victim. Tolerating family secrets only perpetuates family dysfunction. You can forgive a family member for the past while still having healthy boundaries and calling a spade a spade. So I liked these guidelines because as we get clearer on what forgiveness is and what it is not, forgiving becomes easier to do. And choosing to take a step towards forgiveness doesn't mean we should put ourselves in a vulnerable position again. And it doesn't mean we need to forget about it. I think it means that we make a conscious choice to let go of the past and to grasp our future. And, and finally, on Facebook, I saw an explanation of healthy forgiveness that really appealed to me. Um, I guess what I'm calling forgiveness from afar. <laughs> this is my favorite yet. And here's what she said. She said, listen, if you can love a person to death and still be happy, you're no longer connected to them. Happy that you're no longer with them. You can love a person and wish them all the best and mean it from the bottom of your heart, 
but still have the uh, have the desire have not have the desire to reconnect. I wish you all the best over there. <laughs> I wish you success over there. Okay. <laughs> and this is also healthy forgiveness. So Claudia, that was a mouthful. Uh, <laughs> would you like to respond to that? Yeah, you know, I I agree with most of the well, no, with all of those things. And I was thinking on my own uh, life. Um, there was this relationship where that person has hurt me for most of my childhood. And uh, this was a family member, and I used to dream nightmares where I would be so angry at this person in my dreams because she would always do something to me similar to what I went through. And and then she started changing, and I, I that, and just what you said is true. I wanted to forgive her, but one part of me wasn't ready to forgive her, and I didn't know when I would know if I had forgiven her or not. Because saying it is one thing, but having that forgiveness is completely a different uh, matter. So I thought to myself, well, so I will know that I have already really forgiven this person, not condone and not be trust totally of of her when my dreams stop having her as the villain. And eventually it did happen. It, it shown to me that I, I now I can have um, dreams where she's there and she's no longer that evil in my dream. And I was so grateful for that. And, you know, Jeff Foster also says everyone is doing their best, even when it seems like they are doing their worst. Everyone is dreaming or having a nightmare, battling with pain you may never understand. You don't have to condone their actions. You may not able to wake them up. You don't have to like what happened. Simply let go of the illusion different. You are different now anyhow. Don't focus on something you have no control over. The past is a distant land. I love that. I love because one of the things that I have found in people is that they always have this illusion that, oh, no, we we can have the greatest marriage. We can have the greatest friendship. If only we could be like this or be like that. And as long as you keep that illusion, that fake illusion in your mind, that you can somehow change them or change yourself to please them, we are in that hooked. That is such a wonderful quote. I want to write that down and keep that. Can you say that again, uh, the part about let go of the illusion? I thought that was really good. Beautiful. Simply let go of the illusion that it could have been any different. You are different now, anyhow. Don't focus on something you have no control over. The past is a distant land. But Jeff Foster, I, I just love a lot of the things he writes. And wow, I just got chills. 
So let him, we have one caller. Let's see what this person uh, and we might need to to introduce from the beginning something. Call it. Caller nine one four five two two. So can you have can we have your first name and where are you calling us from? Hi, yes, my name is Catherine. I'm calling from New York. Uh, what was your name? Sorry, Catherine. Uh, Catherine, so we're talking about love and forgiveness. Uh, so do you want to share your thoughts about those? Or especially we were now talking about forgiveness and how forgive something is not, it doesn't mean to condone or not or to trust on that person right away. So what do you think about that, Catherine? Yes, I think it's um, showing that you accept other people's um, frailty, you know. I think we're all frail in certain areas, um, you know, and I think it's as important um, for our healing as it is for theirs to forgive them, or otherwise you could be stuck in that pattern of just, um, you know, resenting people. And that's not good for our bodies, I believe, or our souls, or our hearts. Nina? Well, I was just thinking here, um, I, I love that quote by Jack Foster, let go of the illusion that it could have been different. Um, of course it couldn't have. Of course it couldn't have. But our minds do that to us, right? If I had, if only, if, if only I had done this, if only they had done this. Um, you know, Dale Carnegie uh, said back in the 40s in, in a book I read a long time ago on human relations, I think the book was um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a really good book. And what he says in there is, if you, I'm going to paraphrase it, if, if you had been raised in the exact same circumstances that they had been raised in and, and experienced the exact same situations in life that they had experienced, you probably would act very similar to the way that they did. And, and I think that's very true. But it's hard to remember. It's hard to remember when we've been hurt. Yeah, that's true. I wonder okay, if you know, the callers have yeah. any other thoughts here on love and forgiveness. You don't, don't you think, Nina, that and and uh, Catherine, that it it could be so easy? No, it it sounds so easy that if we are in this ocean of love, that we could just love each other and we could not resent anybody and have no need to forgive. But I wonder, is it that also what makes life interesting? Mm. So let me, let me see if I understand what you're saying, Claudia. <laughs> so it sounds like, I, I don't want to assume I understand, but it sounds like what you're saying is that, um, so we have, we have positive and negative circumstances in life, right? But without the contrast between having positive and then the negative circumstances, life would be pretty boring. Is that kind of what you're saying? <laughs> well, yeah, because it's, I assume that whatever heaven is, is that all positive. 
place. And I think that what we created is this world, this on earth where, where uh, opposites exist. So there's some change. So I guess this is something that it's here so we can have the fun of having it. I don't know. I'm just wondering. Right. You're asking a big question here. <laughs> and we've got a couple <laughs> minutes left, but it's a great question, which is, you know, what about good and evil in the world? Like, what's the use of good and evil in the world? And why do we have these two? Why do we have light and dark? Why do we have uh, sunshine and rain? So that's what you're asking. And it's a big question. Um, Metatron in his book, I'm just going to tell you how he answers it. He says, it's ridiculous for us, or ludicrous, I think he says, it's ludicrous for us to think that we can understand evil and the reason that we're dealing with it. He said those are very complex answers and that humanity is not really ready, he said, for that answer yet. So I don't. he's saying you're not going to be able to grasp what I'm going to tell you, so I'm not going to tell you. Wow. But certainly, contrast is what makes life beautiful. Yeah, so so because love and forgiveness is contrasting, right? Love would be everything is fine, and forgiveness, you don't need it because everything is fine and no one hurt you. So... But we have both feelings. We have we know what love is, or whatever we understand from love, and we un, and we know that we don't forgive easy. I, I think where nobody hurts you is heaven. <laughs> yeah. What do you I think, think Catherine? <laughs> what do you think, Catherine? You know, I um, I believe in past lives, so like could all our, you know, our traumas, our hurts, or our victories, or our friendships, could it all be the karma we've collected from past lives? I can also hear since we're here to study the book, I'm I'm going to give you Metatron's answer. (laughs) My answer isn't worth a hoot, but. His, his answer, he has got a lot of, obviously, a lot of insight that we don't have. Um, and he says about, he confirms in the book that there are past lives. And, and he says, karma is a real thing. And it, karma follows us from life to life. Okay. And the Hindus actually have a concept about this, too. Um, the word that they use is samskaras. And what that word means is that the tendencies that we've developed stay with us after in the afterlife. And then when we go and inhabit a body uh, or a form, then those samskaras go with us. So the tendencies that we've developed in this lifetime will go with us into the next lifetime. And then that is called karma. That is what we're going to work on in the next life. Those hanger honors. Wow. So, Nina, we're coming to the end of today's show, and I was wondering, the next chapter that we're talking about next month, and Catherine, you're invited to come back to this conversation as well. 
Uh, we're doing Christ and the avatars, and then Chapter 7, Spirit Guides and Angels. I'm wondering, if, can we put all those four together, or are they a lot on their own? Uh, they're a lot on their own. Those are two bitty, big bites of the sandwich. Um, so let's let's go. Let's throw caution to the wind, Claudia. Let's go ahead and and combine Christ and the avatars and uh, spirit guides um, together, and that will be a hop in conversation. Perfect. So. Everybody's invited for next month where we'll be talking about Christ, the avatars, and spirit guides, correct? Yes, beautiful. Perfect. So, Catherine, so you're welcome to call back. And also, our friend from Texas, anyone that wants to call us back and be part of the conversation. And also, if you want a e copy of Nina's book, Free, so you can follow on the study book, please go to cview1111.net. You go into her page. You go to Debbie Nina Vincent's page, and in there you'll find the form completely free, no hassle, and you'll just get your book and a reminder of the show so you can be part of that. We love hearing your opinion and, and sharing your life because this book is about our life. That's right. Thank you so much, Claudia, for your help today. And uh, I want to thank everybody who attended our study group today. And I want to invite you, everybody, to come back for um, the next session on Friday, May 20th at 12 noon here on Seaview. And uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you and enjoy.